Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rico Muhammad. This is the Rates and Lanes podcast, and tonight we are joined by transportation attorney extraordinaire Harry Seaton will be on with us tonight. If you guys got questions, we you know, we try to make uh, Mr. Seaton available for everybody. I don't really want to take up too much of the time and let, and hog all the questions. I kind of want to put this show together for you guys out there. If you have any issues, anything that you've been dealing with, uh, any concerns that we would have someone that we'd be willing to give us some solid, actionable legal advice that we can uh, actually uh, count on and not just your, your your typical lunchroom banter about some what somebody said is legal and what somebody said you can do. Uh, we actually have a real live attorney here to help us out and assist us with that that comes on with us once a month. To, ask, uh, to answer all the questions that you may have to ask. So I encourage everybody on the line, if you got a question, no matter how trivial you think it may be, if you don't know the answer to the question, there's no such thing as a dumb question. I'd encourage you to press the number one that puts you in the call queue for, you, for us to get your call screened, and we'll come to you and let you get on board so that you can ask your question. Um so without any further ado, we're going to jump right on into what we normally do here. Uh, this week's USDA report, fruit and vegetable report, seems to be a lot of movement taking place. Uh, a lot of movement has been going on in the spot market. We'll get to that, cover that uh, a little bit more in depth here in a few seconds. But on this uh, USDA report, we have a lot of opportunities in a lot of areas it's looking like. Uh, we have outright shortages of trucks in the San Luis Valley, Colorado area, the Idaho, Merrill County, Oregon area, Upper Valley, Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho, Michigan, Big Lake in central Minnesota, Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, Nebraska, and New York, Columbia Basin, Washington, in central Wisconsin, that's right, all of those areas and regions that I just rattled off are showing an outright shortage of trucks, according to the USDA Fruit and Vegetable Report. Other areas where there may be areas of opportunity, where there are slight shortages, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is reporting a slight shortage. Eastern North Carolina is reporting slight shortages. And other than that, every other area in the country is reporting at least an adequate supply of uh, trucks in those areas. There are no areas to report that are showing slight surpluses or any surpluses outright. So there seems to be opportunities abound throughout the country. If you can take advantage of it on the spot market, now is definitely the time to uh, to uh, make sure that you are getting a really good rate if you're out there working on the spot market. Jumping over this week to the DAT trend lines report without any further ado. Uh, headlines on the report that rates hit two-year highs after Hurricane Irma and Harvey. Capacity tightens in the wake of Hurricane. Hurricanes Harvey and Irma have come and gone, but their destructive effects will last for months or even years. Last week, supply chains that were already disrupted by Harvey were hit again by Irma's landfall. Truckers and freight brokers have been helping with the recovery efforts, while tight capacity caused the disruption in combination and demand from a strong economy boosted spot market volume and rates to the highest levels in more than two years for vans, flatbeds, and reefers across all transportation modes. So let's go on. We're going to go ahead and jump over and take a look at the dry van national demand and capacity report for the week of uh, September the 10th through the 16th. Demand for dry vans 
is at its highest levels in recent years. Last week, both load posts and truck posts increased 20%, partially due to the going from the fourth day from, from the four-day Labor Day week to a five-day work week. The load to truck ratio held steady at 6.6 loads per truck. The national average van rate was unchanged compared to the previous week. Remains high following Hurricane Armor and Harvey. Taking a look back historically, van load low posts were up 11% from July to August, while truck posts also rose 12%. As a result, the load to truck the August load-to-truck ratio matched July's average of 5.2 van loads per truck. The ratio was up 89% compared to August of 2016. Taking a look at the national rates for dry vans on the spot market, the national average van rate is at its highest point in more than two years, holding steady at $1.93 per mile. Outbound rates fell last week in most Texas markets as rates rose in the northeast, southeast, midwest, and west. Shippers are still delaying, or, or excuse me, shippers are still dealing with supply chain disruptions and capacity shortages following Hurricane Irma and Harvey as Hurricane Jose and Maria gather strength for a possible assault on the northeastern coast uh, national average diesel prices was down by one cent to a national average of two dollars and seventy nine cents per gallon. Looking back historically, the national average van rate for August increased by one cent to one dollar and seventy nine cents per mile compared to July. The rate was eighteen cents higher than the average of Ju- of August twenty sixteen. Moving um, across the country, taking a look at rates across the country. Starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, we uh, coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, showing spot market rates at $1.90 per mile. Coming out of Atlanta, Georgia, moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we show outbound spot market rates for dry vans at $2.49 per mile. Coming out of Chicago, the Midwest portion of the United States, we have uh, spot market rates of $2.48 per mile on average. Moving down into the south-central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $1.86 per mile. Moving on over into the west coast, the left coast, Los Angeles, California, checks in, showing average spot market rates at $2.16 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up the dry van portion of the DAT report. Let's change over, switch over into the uh, flatbed segment of the report, taking a look at the flatbed demand and capacity for the week of September 10th through the 16th. Last week, flatbed low post increased 41%, much more than the 25% increase that would be expected following the four-day Labor Day week. Truck post increased 19% which caused the load-to-truck ratio to rise to 41.1 loads per truck. That's the highest flatbed load-to-truck ratio since peak season in April. The national average flatbed rate was unchanged compared to the previous week. Taking a look back historically compared to July, flatbed load posts declined 5% in August, while truck posts increased 22%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to fall 22% down to 28.7 loads per truck. The ratio, however, is up tremendously 170%. Taking a look to see how flatbed rates were performing across the country on the spot market. The national average rate for flatbeds held steady at $2.24 per mile. That's the highest average flatbed rate in more than two years. Taking a look back historically at rates, flatbed rates increased one cent per mile in August compared to July. The August national average of $2.18 per mile is the highest monthly average since June 2015.
compared to August 2016, last month's average rate rose a whopping 28 cents or 15%, however you want to look at it. Taking a look by region around the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, checking in, showing and leading the pack spot market rates for flatbeds at $3.48 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia shows average spot market rates of $2.71 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.73 per mile. Moving down to Houston, Texas, the south-central portion of the United States, average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.54 per mile. Wrapping up the report coming out of the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $1.91 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up that portion of the DAT trend lines report for flatbeds. Let's jump over and wrap up the report completely, and let's see how reefers were performing over the previous week of September 10th through the 16th. In the week following Hurricane Armor, reefer loads post increased 18%, truck post increased 12%, boosting the load-to-truck ratio by 5% to 11.9 loads per truck. That's the highest average reefer. Uh, that's the highest average reefer load-to-truck ratio in years. The national average reefer rate also moved higher due to supply chain disruption caused by the storm plus elevated seasonal demands. Taking a look back historically, in August, reefer load posts increased 20% and truck posts increased by 8% compared to July. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to rise by 11%, jumping from 8.8 loads per truck up to 9.8 loads per truck nationally. The second highest monthly load-to-truck ratio in more than two years. Compared to August of 2016, the load-to-truck ratio is up by 78%. Taking a look to see how the national rates were performing for reefers over the previous week of September 10th through the 16th, reefer rates added another uh, penny last week to jump the rate up to $2.19 per mile on average since increase in the previous week's average per uh, per mile rate. This is the highest weekly average rate in more than two years. The national load-to-truck ratio also increased to the highest level in years. Taking a look around the country, coming out of the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey, checks in, showing spot market rates for reefers at $2.17 per mile. Moving down into the Lakeland, Florida area, we have Average spot market rates coming out of Lakeland at $1.39 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Green Bay, Wisconsin, and they are setting the benchmark high coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin on the spot market. Average spot market rates show at $3.84 per mile coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas checks in, showing average spot market rates at $1.82 per mile. Moving on over into the West Coast, Fresno, California checks in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.05 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's DAT Trend Lines report. And... Gordon got one more report that we're going to get into before we bring Mr. Seaton on board with us, and that is the bad broker report. So this is the portion of the show where you want to get your pens and paper together. We're going to read off a couple of uh, bad performers. Luckily, this week, the list isn't too long. Uh, starting out this week, uh, picking up where we left off from last week, MNS LLC Certified Logistics. MC number is 899797. 
they have over $125,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. There's also multiple reports that Certified Logistics is filing bankruptcy. Maywood Freight Company, Inc., their MC number is 0222243. FMCSA shows trust fund canceled on 8-2017. They show over $45,000 in non-payment complaints. IGH Logistics, Inc., their MC number is 728-283. They have over $12,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. FMCSA shows that trust fund canceled on 9-14-17. LTA Logistics, Inc., their MC number is 579-165. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled on 9-24-17. Over $25,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And wrapping up the bad broker report for this week, Raymar Transportation, Inc., their MC number is 300-208. They show over $19,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. They are considered a very high risk. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's bad broker report. And with that being said, with no further ado, we'd like to welcome in our special guest tonight, Mr. Hank Seaton. Hank, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Rico. How about you? I cannot complain. Cannot complain at all. Uh, a lot of movement been going on uh, with all of the hurricanes and everything else. In some places, uh, they've suspended hours of service. I know that the recent rulings came down that, uh, if I understand correctly, we are not going to be getting an extension on the ELD mandate. Um Anything further that you can add to us, some things that you that we might need to be aware of that's coming out of D.C.? No, I think with respect to the ELD, there's some talk about a soft landing on enforcement, but uh, uh, I think uh, the, uh, the ATA, which stood in opposition to an extension, pretty well had it today, and that uh, we need to, to go ahead and comply. As we talked last month, uh, our real issue is going to be how to deal with the economic consequences of being uh, uh, measured on a per-minute basis and uh, strict enforcement of the ELD. So uh, I think I said last uh, last month uh, there is at least one good uh, uh, webinar on that. Uh, it, you can probably access it through TransComply. Uh, Jeff Davis went into great detail explaining uh, uh, what this will do in terms of minute robbers, and uh, it will need to be reflected in the in the rates, I think. Uh, I see the advent of the ELD merging with uh, something I saw in Overdrive. One of our favorite large retailers is uh, going to start uh, dunning carriers that uh, – fail to make on-time deliveries by 3%, and the convergence of uh, stricter time limits for identification and stricter uh, enforcement of, uh, of uh, rigid uh, hours of service rules, I think is going to mean we need to get paid to wait and we're going to lose some productivity to be sure to be at the shipper's dock on time. So. I, I think we're going to see that in, in pricing going forward, and I think uh, people who are having to uh, uh, price based upon miles are also going to have to look very carefully at the time constraints and uh, micromanage their logs to be sure the delivery can be made. Right, right. Okay, well, I got a, I got a caller that has a question for us, Hank. So let's go and grab a caller. And uh, i got okay. a couple other questions that I want to get into about this ELD thing. Someone sent me a question as well. Uh, they may come on board and be able to ask it themselves. So we're going to take our first caller of the night. Uh, Philip, you're up and on board with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Hello? Hello, Philip, are you there? 
Yeah, um, my name is Benjamin, Hello? and um, yes, can you hear me? Oh, Benjamin, they got you. They got you. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay. Uh, listen, my my question was um, first off, I wanted to thank you guys for uh, a great show, and um, it's really been a a help to me um, just from listening to Hank over the last year or so. Um, I've been reading a lot of, you know, I got my own authority, and I've been reading a lot of uh, contracts, and um, my my main question focuses on. Um, I've seen some really crazy um, clauses in some of these contracts, and of course I, I didn't sign them. But um, I just wanted to know that um, how far can these folks stray from the Carmack Amendment? And um, um, uh, one particular one said that there'd be a thousand-dollar administrative penalty for being over two hours late to a particular delivery. It, is that truly enforceable? Um, how far can these people really go? Can they go as far as you allow them to when you sign your rights away? Or, or that's, that's, you know, that's kind of my, yeah, my basic. You basically, you, you basically got it uh, right. You're, most courts are going to hang you with what you sign. Uh, you're entitled to publish your own service conditions and to enforce them, but there is a provision in the code. It's called 14101B that says that if you sign something, you can basically sign away your rights and duties under commerce law. Now, when you mention Carmack Amendment for the purposes of everybody on the line, that is the federal statute that uh, uh, says that you're not liable for special or consequential damages. You're liable for the destination market value, but the shipper has to mitigate the damages and you get the right of salvage. Uh, unfortunately, we're seeing in what I call shipper cram down uh, provisions just like what you're talking about. They are draconian. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the spot market don't read them. They sign them, they get hooked with them. Uh, and uh, uh, Benjamin, you may remember if you've been listening, you know, I've got that book uh, uh, available. Uh, uh, I highly recommend it. Rico's listeners get a discount. But if you go through that and say, okay, here's the gold standard for what my insurance requires, here's what's bad business, you can very quickly recognize those kinds of provisions you're talking about. Uh, the idea yeah, think, of – go ahead. I've read 100 contracts, and I think two of them were fair. <laughs> So you kind of just got to go through that's and about, pick. That's about right. And I, I mean, you're you're going to give up some stuff. And so, I, I mean, you know, like things like right to salvage. Um, honestly, as long as my insurance is – one thing that I've caught a lot that I just refuse to – I won't budge on is is that this market – stated market value of the freight. In other words, they're going to charge me retail. I'm, I'm hauling wholesale freight. I've signed a, an agreement with them. They know my insurance is only 100000 as my cargo max. I, I, I haul dry freight. And, and yet these folks want to charge me retail, which could be God only knows how much. They set this. It's some arbitrary amount. They get to say what their freight's worth. So it, it really could basically put me out of business. It could t- I, I could lose my house. I mean, man, I'm a one-truck guy. So I've really been watching it, and I've, I've been careful. And, I, you know, it's all because of, you know, listening to your show. That, that I even knew about, you know, I never read a, a shipping contract and, or, or broker agreement ever in my life before I, I started, you know, got my own authority. I just came active in February. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. I just want to encourage everybody, man, read those things, dude. I mean, you know, uh, probably nothing's going to happen. But if it does, I mean, you could lose everything. Well, so, one thing that uh, I always say, Benjamin, is that it's, it's not a problem until it's a problem. And, and, and I definitely yeah. – Hats off to you for taking the time to make sure that you are reading those things because the thing, the pushback that that is amazing when you start to question some of these brokers about some of these draconian uh, uh, clauses that they have in their contracts is they say, well, well, what's the big problem? Everybody else signs them. I'm not everybody else, and I'm not willing to to give away thing that I work for just because you know, I, I I got I got that. Like they say in the old country, old country folks say, uh, uh, you know, you got buzzard luck sometimes. I got buzzard luck. I can't kill nothing and won't nothing die. So I don't want to put myself in any uh, precarious situation to where, you know, I can be taken advantage of just because I, I forgot to dot an I across a T 
or or read the the eyes that was dotted or the key that was crossed that I that I happen to miss in black and white right there in that contract. So make sure you are reading every contract and 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 to better um, get away from having to deal with it all together. My advice is just go ahead and, and try to develop as best you can your own customer base that 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 you can kind of get um, to avoid some of the stuff. And not that's not to say that some shippers won't try to slip something in on you as well. But, you know, it's probably a little less likely that you'll go through uh, some of the stuff that you're going through with a, with a lot of the bigger uh, brokerage houses and stuff like that. Hank, you got something that you wanted to kick in? Yeah, yeah. The only thing for everybody that's, that's a listener is to realize that the whole idea in looking at a contract is to avoid an uninsured risk. So if you have bought cargo insurance, first of all, you've got to be sure that your cargo insurance will cover your legal liability under CARMAC. If you've got insurance that doesn't cover unattended vehicles and you're hauling high-value goods, you've got a problem. If you've got insurance that doesn't cover wetness, dampness, and moisture, you've got a problem. But if you can get standard contract that covers your legal liability under CARMAC, then your pushback on your shipper is, look, uh, I'm prepared to sign this contract saying that uh, I will pay you up to $100,000, but the claims will be adjudged under the federal statute and the federal rules. That way you're reasonably assured that if you have an accident, you got insurance. when you vary from that standard, you open up Pandora's box. Now, uh, the, the, uh, 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 Benjamin mentioned one thing, uh, which was salvage. You can understand if a shipper has got uh, uh, brand identity or something else, he may not want you going out and selling his product on the used market. That means that he may want the right of salvage, but him having the right of salvage is not the same as the requirement that he mitigate his damages. Uh, You know, mitigation of damages is determining what the difference is between his cost of the goods or what he sold them for uh, and the value of them in their damaged condition. You think about... uh, 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 lettuce that uh, has got uh, uh, 3% of deterioration or whatever, that doesn't say you have to trash the lettuce. It says that you've got to have a secondary market and you get credit for uh, the uh, the mitigation value. And mitigation becomes really important uh, because you don't want two skids damaged and the shipper saying, oh, well, we're going to uh, destroy all 22 skids. And and those are the kinds of uh, of language that you see in these contracts. And uh, I'm, I applaud you, uh, Benjamin, for reading them carefully because your eyes can gloss over. But, uh, you know, you may skate by for uh, for uh, for two years, but, my God, if you have a $100,000 uninsured loss, you've been working for nothing. So exactly. uh, it, it's important. It, it's important, and uh, you know, with the opportunity of being your own businessman, comes that risk. And uh, you're right on to be looking at that. I applaud you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys and, and the show, and it's been a big help to me. So thanks. Thank you, Benjamin. Appreciate the phone call. All right, Bruce. We got uh, one more caller that's calling in. Uh, Let's go and grab Bruce. Bruce, you're up and on board with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Good night. Good evening, Rico. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, Bruce, and yourself? I'm doing fine. Hello, Hank. How are you tonight? Doing fine, Bruce. What's going on? Okay. I sent Rico a text here the other day with a couple questions that I had come to my mind after hearing his introduction to this week's show last week, and the first one is is that I've been reading in some contracts with brokers that they are, once the ELD mandate becomes mandatory, they are reserving the right to demand that I email them my logbooks prior to them signing up and booking a load with me. Uh, I guess my question is, 
at what point does their liability end and mine begin or mine end and theirs begin? To me, that looks like overreach on their part. Well, I think it is overreach. Obviously, it's invasive. But I think what they're particularly heightened, uh, uh, having a uh, and heightened uh, curve about is uh, probably uh, shippers go on one of two directions as a result of four kites and all of this uh, uh, invasive kind of uh, data. They want an on-time delivery, but they can't. They can't and shouldn't be coercing you to do something you can't do. So they want to be sure that if you say you're going to deliver it at 10 a.m. the next day, that your driver has enough hours to do it. And that's why why they're requiring it. They don't want to take your word for it. They want to be hyper-cautious if your driver hits... uh, uh, hits a school bus on way to make delivery and says, well, the shipper told me I had to make a 10 a.m. delivery. They want to be able to say, well, we looked at that dude's logs and he had plenty of time to make it. So it's all because uh, shippers are are feeling the heat uh, about being named in uh, up supply chain lawsuits. Uh, there are... Uh, uh, you know, continuing C.H. Robinson screws it up. Bless their soul, they hire somebody who's uh, 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 that uh, uh, has got a bad safety record. Uh, uh, plaintiff's bar looks for somebody to sue. Uh, they get hit for 10, 15, 20 million bucks. And the take home from that to scared shippers is uh, it looks like the government's put the obligation on us to. Uh, 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 to be guilty of negligent selection or vicarious liability unless we treat this truck driver as if he were our own. And uh, I think that reaction from that shipper, while understandable, is is a bridge too far. Uh, You know, I I think uh, uh, you have to say, look, I'll contractually warrant that my driver will not exceed the hours of service and I'll do all I can to provide reasonable dispatch. But, you know, it may be another thing about whether or not I guarantee this driver can make 550 miles in a single driving period because I can't control traffic. Yeah. And if if I get loaded, if I get loaded at your daggone dock an hour later, my dude's going to be out of hours. And, you know, a lot of this is coming back upstream uh, because of the ELD and because every damn shipper now wants the Amazon effect. Uh, they want the, the truck driver to get there uh, at uh, in the time limits that you charge for exclusive use expedited service, and they want the truckload carrier to pay for it and prove he can do it. And, you know, that uh, uh, that becomes particularly difficult, uh, as you can well understand. If you get uh, uh, delayed uh, uh, for an hour on a tightly scheduled uh, multiple drop, uh, you're going to be 10 hours late making that last delivery. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what they're trying to get at. Uh, I would tell him, look, Bubba, you don't really want all this information, if you try to micromanage me, you're just going to be liable if there is an accident. I'm licensed, authorized, and insured, and I'll warrant you that I'm going to get it there safely and on time to the extent the hours of service require. But, you know, if you want a dedicated time-specific uh, uh, time that runs over uh, a single driving period, then maybe you need to pay for a team. And that's because what I was my man will have to take my man will have to take you know that ten consecutive hour break. Yeah, when he when he sent me that text I, and when we talked about it earlier in the week, that's my main thing. I was like, if, if they're going that far, then that seems like it will open them up more for the vicarious liability. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. You know, if 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 they put in the contract that they want to see the logs. Uh, before dispatch, and then they screw up and don't look for the logs, plaintiff's bar is going to say, well, look, you assume the duty to be sure the guy had sufficient hours, 
and on this one you didn't. So I mean, it's it, it's bad business for shippers, uh, and uh, you know I don't miss an opportunity to try to tell them that. Yeah, because one of the things that I try to you know um, that I learned was that when I first got into uh, doing some brokering as well. That you 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 have to have you have to treat your brokerage and your in your carrier your motor carrier as two separate uh, operations. You know uh, if it, 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 and I think you guys have an excellent article up on your website. You know if it walks like a duck, it uh, talks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. You can't as as a broker you or a shipper you cannot kind of represent the duties of a motor carrier. And once you start doing those things. Then you kind of, then you know, that kind of puts you in that that catch twenty two to where you you can be uh, drawn into uh, controlling the truck. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna di- uh, divert a little bit and give you guys a ten minute sermon or a five minute sermon. This issue is something that uh, we're fighting in a in a hot white uh, uh, battleground. The FMCSA has continued, as we all know to put out SMS methodology and ranking of carriers. They've even got guys that work for them to put SMS together that testify uh, against uh, brokers and shippers. And here's what they say. They say that the brokers and shippers cannot rely on the fact that the carrier is licensed, authorized, and insured. That if the carrier is a small carrier and is unrated, that's not the equivalent of a satisfactory safety rating and that the shipper is then required to uh, do additional due diligence. As if that due diligence goes all the way down to uh, micromanaging the driver. So your worst enemy is the agency, which will not affirm that uh, Ben, who's got his authority and been through the new carrier audit, is just as safe to use as any of the mega carriers who actually have a safety rating. Now, because of that, and because of the fact that it's such a competitive disadvantage against small guys that they don't have the safety rating but are unrated, and that the shippers are so uh, 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 taught that that makes a small carrier damaged goods, that we're making the argument that, look, SMS methodology doesn't work. It's unfair to small carriers. You can't profile them. You've got to get out of the business of trying to tell shippers that they have to second guess you. When you give them the new carry audit and they pass it, they get a SAT. And rather than go through all of this uh, uh, prejudicial use of SMS, every two years give a carrier what amounts to a new carry audit and renew his SAT. Because only if you do that are small carrier is going to have a level playing field, and only if you do that is the shipper and broker community going to be able to rely on the FMCSA as the ultimate authority on safety. Because trust me, plaintiff's bar in every case will dig, dig, dig until they find some reason to make it seem like the shipper or broker did something wrong. And the reason is they then say, we're going to the jury with it, and we're going to prove that uh, gold pineapple uh, should be taxed for the verdict because the little guy ain't got but a million bucks, and we're seeking 24. So you can see how this whole system is rigged uh, to uh, affect the little guy. And one of the affidavits we're putting in is an affidavit by a large shipper who says that a uh, a large broker has made a run at them saying you can't hire a little guy because he can't indemnify you uh, against negligence. You need to hire us to because uh, uh, we got enough contingent liability to take the hit, and when the ELD comes in, you're going to have to have our service because we can do drop and hook and the little guy can't, and we can make your on-time delivery. So I see a convergence of the large carriers uh, being able to use the ELD plus uh, SMS to competitive advantage to make it just damn difficult for the folks on this call 
And that's a battle that we're fighting, but you're not going to read a lot about it in the press. Certainly not in transport topics. Wow. So that's that's my 10-minute sermon, okay? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we appreciate it. Bruce, uh, you have some more to add to, the, to your question there? Well, you and I also sent you another question, so I guess if we're done with the liability part of it, one, it's more of a statement or a question as a question, but I've been receiving recently quite a few applications from people wanting to set me up for factoring services. And I don't factor because I'm in a position where I don't have to. I don't. But what I'm noticing when I do a little more digging on these factoring companies is that many of them don't. It's of freight companies, trucking companies. And my concern, I guess, or warning to people is, is that if you factor and you're factoring with a company that is a, a trucking company, you are giving them 100% of your sales information, your leads, customer information, your rates, everything. And uh a, a, amen to that comment. Last week I, I spoke in Louisville to the uh, the truck factory organization. Uh, there are a good number of uh, of, of of factors who, uh, although uh, it, it's substandard lending. I mean, obviously, if you had a line of credit from the bank, you wouldn't pay as much interest. Factors uh, do have a legitimate role. One of their roles is to. Uh, uh, let you know who are crooks and who's going to pay you. But your point about uh, factors that are affiliated themselves with trucking companies uh, is something that is very concerning to me because every contract that you'll see from a shipper or broker has a confidentiality statement in it, and it has a covenant not to back solicit. And the reason uh, for that is because... Uh, Information is power, and yeah. uh, you know how you would uh, assert a Chinese wall between a, 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 a factor and your rates and lane information uh, on the factoring side, and that filching over to the carrier side. Uh, uh, you know, you might get a warranty that there was none, but it, uh, it would be of concern to me as well, and I'm not. I'm not talking with any particular experience about any particular uh, company, although I have heard people express concerns about some of them. Hi. All right. You, you see that, Bruce? Yeah, I think we. I think he's in a bad cell. I think he. Yeah, we. In a bad cell there. For Bruce, um, let's see here. We got another caller that's got a question. Bruce, if you can get back in before we, if you got something else, if you can get back in, uh, try to call back in, and we'll try to get you back up on board. Uh, let's go to another caller. We got a caller, Alan. Alan has a question for us. Uh, thank you, Alan. You're on live with Rico, with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Good evening, gentlemen. I got a couple of questions. Um, the gentleman earlier was reading all the Benjamin, who was reading all those contracts and going through there, and uh, obviously a lot of people make changes. I've made changes on some of them. My question to Hank is, when you have signed a contract with XYZ Brokerage, and uh, after you learn the business a little bit better, obviously, you, you find out, well, yeah, I made a mistake with that. If you go back can you renegotiate that contract or can you just simply send them like an updated accessorial sheet, you know, where, Hey, this is what I charge now for detention, $75 an hour, let's say. Uh, the answer is probably yes to both of those. Most of those contracts are what they call evergreen contracts. And they say they're good for a year and they, uh, automatically renew unless they're canceled or something like that. Uh, with respect to rates, most of those contracts don't have permanent rates. The rates are set by a load confirmation sheet, 
uh, and that load confirmation sheet will be a, a point-to-point rate. Uh, look at the contract you've got. It probably says that the contract can only be modified by a subsequent written uh, contract or addendum. Uh, remembering that those things are evergreen, I have seen people who signed and put in their drawer a contract that came back and just took a big, huge chunk out of their ass five years later uh, because uh, uh, they didn't keep it up to date. They forgot what they signed, and then they got hooked with it. So I think as you do your contract review, if you find that there are provisions that say there's no way I'd haul the freight with that in it today, you ought to send them a letter that says, you know, uh, we're reviewing our contracts and we choose to cancel the contract with you. Uh, Keep us in mind if you have freight, we'll be happy to negotiate a spot contract or whatever else. But you need to uh, uh, not have uh, contracts in your bottom drawer that uh, uh, you're, you're not happy to move freight under. And what I would suggest is that you use the load confirmation process to be sure that you get your accessorials and those kinds of things in it. I'm going to tell you about a situation that's a real-life situation I'm in today that'll show you how bad it can get. A, a client signed a contract four years ago with a shipper. The contract said uh, in one of the items that the carrier's maximum liability would be $100,000 per truckload. The client, when he reviewed the contract four years ago, accepted that provision and made some other changes in the contract, signed it, and sent it back. Uh, When uh, he topped a bridge with a sophisticated machine, the broker said, oh, that $100,000 limit is not valid because we never signed the counter contract that you sent back. So if you follow what I'm saying is, Now the broker is trying to wiggle out of the fact that he limited the liability to $100,000 in his offer. We sent back an acceptance that had a limit of $100,000, but now he wants a million. And that's all a question of the contracts not getting cinched up. Now I can tell you that most carriers get a contract from a shipper. They sign it and send it back but they never get an executed copy from the uh, 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 from the, the shipper right. that says he's accepted it. Uh, and, you know, a disreputable broker will say, well, I never signed that. And, you know, that's really crazy because what we're telling this particular broker is, hey, look, dude, when you sent that contract over, it was an offer, and we accepted it, and then you took our signed contract and started tendering us freight. What in the hell did you think was applicable? And the other thing that we're using in that contract is, okay, if you say we didn't have a contract, then our service terms and conditions apply, and not only do they say our limit is $100,000, they say you need to pay us interest and attorney's fees. So I think that that little idea about what is a signed written agreement needs to be followed through And I think the smart money says that everybody, if they've got a website, ought to publish little simple terms and conditions that say, uh, to the extent not otherwise agreed, uh, uh, our service terms and conditions apply. Maybe even see that that's on your standard load acceptance, because if somebody wants to claim they didn't sign a contract, then you want to default to your terms. Okay, so you could basically, like I got, I got what I call my carrier packet where it's got my MC insurance, workers' comp, and all that, and I usually send that in. So I could put a service terms and contract, service terms and stuff in that and state that if they accept that, that would, that yeah. would hold well, true you, on that. Really, you don't even really have to go that far. Uh, what uh, what some clients do, and I think this is a good idea, you know, you've got all these emails uh, going backwards and forwards that people say are, are agreements. 
and they'll put down there on their their signature line Rico Muhammad uh, uh, Crescent Crescent Carriers note unless otherwise agreed in right Crescent Carriers terms apply www.crescentcarriers.com so that what they're doing is in their correspondence stream they're saying uh, unless we got a signed written contract uh, uh, go to our website and see what our detention is because the law really is that unless you waive your rights, the shipper has got the burden of asking you what are your terms and conditions, and you solve that by very simply putting it on your website. Now, that's a, I mentioned it to you guys, I think, before, but if you don't have a website, I can help you with a simple website, and I can tell you that... Uh, uh, you know, when uh, when you've just got uh, freight that somebody claims is not under a contract, it, it, it's great to be able to say, well, our service terms apply. And, uh, you know, after an hour of free time, we're charging detention. Or, uh, you know, we didn't have an agreement uh, on, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on damages, so Carmack applies. Uh, and again, guys, if you look at the if you look at the book, it's set up so that it goes through the bill of lading as a contract, the value of setting up your service terms as a contract, and then what to look for when you got to sign one of these shipper cram downs. And I know it's a lot to think about, but it uh, it, it really can be organized so that it protects your interest. Uh, uh, trust me, the uh, uh, if you work for an LTL carrier, uh, uh, you play hell, uh, a shipper plays hell getting them to disavow their service terms and conditions, their inside delivery, all of those kinds of things. And and you need to be protected. Uh, you know, if you don't give up your, uh, your collection rights, your service terms need to say, you don't pay me in 30 days, I get my interest and attorney's fees. Why in the dickens should you have to go out and factor the receivables for 60, 90, 100 days without you being able to recoup your factoring fee and interest? I've got a case now uh, for a bunch of guys, and the broker's going out of business, and it's a million eight, okay? A million eight and counting just in my clients. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I ask them, we got a bunch of them, which of you guys have got spreading liens? Because all of them are sitting on freight. And if they got spreading liens, they've got a good reason to do it. If they don't, they're probably ultimately going to have to parcel out the freight. So I'm just saying, uh, hopefully nobody will get caught in anything, anything that big. But uh, you don't have to be seven figures to put a small guy out of business because, uh, you know, he 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 set on his rights in terms of collecting from a broker. So anyway, I'm just uh, I don't want to labor on and on just to tell you that I I I see uh, I feel like Chicken Little. I see the sky falling on one guy, and I don't mean to tell everybody there's a, a, a hurricane going to visit you tonight, but it is a question of risk avoidance, and I, I want to see you guys. Uh, uh, Understand what the problems are and do what you can to protect yourselves. Okay, what's the name of the book again? Yeah, it's called Rico. You got it up on up on your face page, up on your uh, page right. We'll we, we'll we'll put it back up again it, tonight, along with the discount code. But it's it's called Rules of the Road: A Practical Guide to Legal Issues in Trucking and Truck Transportation. Uh, it is. Yeah. It, it we, goes much we, further in depth than what the uh, previous book did. Yeah, I mean, we go, we go, we go into, we go into factoring. We go into uh, what if you're a broker, what uh, uh, what you face in terms of contract requirements from the shippers. We go into an expansion of the dirty dozen. Uh, it, it it really uh, hopefully is. Uh, a pretty good uh, a pretty good handbook for somebody getting started because you know you uh, as as Benjamin made clear you're hung by what you sign you got to read what you sign and you got to know the implications of of uh, of, of what's in there. 
Absolutely. I right. appreciate, appreciate all the information. Appreciate you. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, Hank, we're getting close to the top of the hour. Uh, you want to uh, tell the good people if they have any issues, uh, if they want to take advantage and use your your uh, firm or call your firm to help them out with something, if they, if they need a contract reviewed or anything yeah, like that, you want to uh, tell the good people how they can get in contact with you guys? Sure. Uh, our our website is really pretty easy to remember. It's transportationlaw.net. That's transportationlaw, written together, dot net. If you put dot com, you'll get a shipper's uh, 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 firm. But ours is transportationlaw.net. The firm is Seton and Huss, and you'll have the, the phone number there. Uh, there are a lot of... Uh, of uh, articles and other things there on the website. Uh, if you if you need particular help with a new carrier audit, uh, uh, a uh, a website, uh, or uh, uh, if you uh, want to get on uh, for any of our uh, uh, webinars on various topics, you can access it through transportationlaw.net or transcomply.com, which offers services to small carriers. And, uh, and you know, uh, you, you can get you can get my access number. I'm happy to talk to you off the website. So you've got, uh, uh, you know, a, a tyranny of the immediate question. Please feel free to call me. If I'm tied up, I'll see my associate give you a call back. All right. And so we are putting up right now the link to uh, the link on TransComply where you can go order the book. And I'm going to put on, on in there the discount code for our listeners. Uh, the list, the discount code is RICO R I C O 2016. You put that in at checkout, that'll get you a, uh, I think it's a 20% discount off the book. So you t- definitely take advantage of that. Uh, Hank, anything else you want to share with us before we get out of here? We're about, we got about two minutes left in the show. No, you know, if you're if you're interested in what's going on in Washington, the uh, the regulatory rollback that we really need to have, it, uh, I, I don't I don't want to get too deep into politics, but I think everybody knows that the bureaucrats are are not there to help the little guy. You might want to go to uh, mcrr dot net. It's mcrr dot net. That's uh, run by the Coalition for Motor Carrier Regulatory Reform, which is a combination of uh, 10 groups representing small carrier interests. And uh, we're, we're really, uh, our purpose is to see that there's a level playing field and that uh, small carriers have equal access to freight. You might, you might just be the, uh, uh, the, the, the carrier who can help because all politics is... Uh, 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 gets down to who's your congressman. Uh, uh, you know, we're working with some guy who really got roughed up bad by the FMCSA, and uh, uh, his congressman has to be happens to be on the right committee. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in being politically active, visit mcrr.net. And if you uh, uh, want to join uh, uh, a list and get updated on that. Uh, uh, and what we're trying to do to protect the industry, I'll be happy to include you. I put a link for that mcrr.net up on the uh, Rachel Lane Facebook page as well for, to make it easier on people if you want to just go and click on that link. That will take you directly over to the mcrr.net uh, website. Once again, the, okay. uh, link for the, book, the link for the book is, is, is up as well. You can use uh, RICO 2016 at checkout to get you a discount. And as always, uh, we definitely want to thank uh, thank you, Hank, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on board here on the Racing Lanes podcast to take and field a few questions for us to kind of get us on the right path. We are definitely definitely uh, indebted and your and, and definitely oh, appreciate welcome. you taking time to do that. You're welcome. This hour always goes quickly, and uh, keep on trucking, guys.
It definitely does. And with that being said, we want to thank everyone that makes the show possible. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my daughter back in Atlanta for screening the phone calls for us. Uh, I'm not sure which one's doing it tonight, but uh, which one, everyone, daughter number one, two, or three, we definitely appreciate you taking time to, to get the call screened for us and getting everybody up and on board. I want to thank Kevin and Lisa Rutherford, the entire Less Truck team, for helping us provide the platform to bring this show to you guys each and every Wednesday. Um, so we definitely want to send kudos and shouts out to them. And God willing, we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Take your time. Make sure you're reading your contracts. Make sure that you're not uh, being taken advantage of. And as always, like we like to tell you every week, keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless you, and good night. We'll We'll see you later. Thanks again, Hank.